this episode of Healthier Workplaces, we'll talk about harnessing the hidden power of empathy. Professionals uh, are too clinical. You know, they, they, they live and die by their checklist. They don't take the time to get to know the customer and they come across as uh, uncaring, uh, too scientific and they can't relate. And so it really makes our jobs harder when you can't really uh, connect with the employee. Everybody, I have organizations contact me and it's always about effective communication. They list 12 freaking problems, but it's communication. Um, effective communication is the, is the issue. So that, um, that's kind of my thing. Everybody wants to be validated. I don't... To come back and say you're within the TLVs of the PELs. I'd you know, be mad. Like, yeah, yeah, like your <laughs> numbers, it's, everything's okay. It's all in your head. Like that's not really... That's a perfect That's example. Welcome to the Healthier Workplaces Show, a program dedicated to highlighting the efforts of industry professionals who protect our workers and their communities from occupational and environmental hazards. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine, and your host for this new program from AIHA. This week's guests are Tim Paz, who serves as the National Industrial Hygiene Program Manager for a federal agency, and Amy McKay, a nationally recognized consultant specializing in empathetic leadership and mindfulness. The May 2022 issue of The Synergist featured a cover story on harnessing the hidden power of empathy and how it can lead to effective leadership and greater compassion from OEHS professionals. In the article, authors Tim Paz and Amy McKay take a deep dive into why you need to be thinking both strategically and empathetically about your audience and why it matters to them when you deliver a message. They included their empathy cheat sheet, which can be used as a simple guide for increasing your empathy skills, both in the workplace and your daily life. When we come back, we'll sit down with Tim Paz and Amy McKay to discuss the important role empathy plays in making connections with others and how it can benefit you and your organization. Stay with us. Sixth edition of the Noise Manual is available at the AIHA University Bookstore. This edition contains new chapters on impulse noise, ototoxicants, fit testing, and community exposure. Noise is an omnipresent hazard for industrial hygienists and OEHS practitioners. Find the right information with this valuable resource for noise prevention and more in your workplace and communities. Update your noise knowledge today. Available in print and digital formats. Visit AIHA.org slash noise for a free preview. Being in the indoor environmental community for, you know, I've been there 36 years, I hate to admit, um, communication has always been a big thing between, between the consultants and the clients for sure. But even between the various sectors, the various silos, you know, when you have the consultant and maybe if there's some remediation work being done or that sort of thing where you have a contractor involved or contractors, you know, and other people you have to communicate to, there always seems to be this, this difference of language that we use, right? I mean, you know, the different disciplines have have different different emotional triggers and we tend to say different things and some of the highly highly 
higher educated people tend to use a lot of acronyms. I see too, which sometimes that's off-putting. Yeah, I mean, try to explain stachybotrys to the homeowner, <laughs> you know, and they're like, huh? All they know is they got. Well, all they know is toxic black mold, which is that's right. another horror in the industry that you know they shouldn't be there, you know, miscommunication. Yeah, I, I just had an issue in my uh, within my agency uh, dealing with radon, and you know, tr trying to explain uh, radiation ionizing radiation concepts to the layperson, uh, you know, it's a challenge. You know, they just know that there's radon in the workplace and they want it fixed. You know, it's a challenge. I mean, do, do you feel that uh, professionals, you know, uh, industrial hygiene professionals, there's an issue with lacking empathy or it's just a matter of how how the communication of empathy? Because actually everybody that I've gotten to know in, in the industry seems to actually have quite a bit of empathy, you know, but they don't necessarily have great bedside manners all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that's a great point. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think empathy is kind of built into the field. You know, that's why we get into the field sure. because we want to help people. Uh, it's that communication piece that really, I think, trips us up. Uh, we're very sterile, scientific, for the most part. And uh, we have trouble, you know, I know some IHs that they don't like to talk to people. You know, it, it's not their favorite part of the job. You know, they love the science, they love doing the research, uh, and they love solving problems. But when it comes down to talking with people, you know, they would rather pass that off to a, a colleague, uh, interestingly enough. But I think communication is, is the biggest hurdle we have. And I, I but I, even going back to empathy, um, I still think that there's uh, improvement uh, in empathy amongst the general industrial hygiene community that, that is lacking. Well, let's break that into two things, because obviously the communication skill is important, but uh, you just... The empathy itself. So you you think that's that's a skill that needs to be um, enhanced? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we see that um, not just in your industry, but in the we have this great resignation taking place in in the United States. So we have this huge issue of people being pretty ticked off and and frustrated that they're not getting their needs met. And we have um, we have we just have a lot of different issues going on. So empathy is actually just one domain of emotional intelligence. Um, and having empathy allows you to have a higher level of understanding, a different level of intelligence, so you do communicate more effectively. So yeah, in that in that way, does that make sense? Totally, totally. Yeah, um, Bob, we've all been the victim of a, a physician who can't get out of the exam room fast enough. You know, they're right. barely even looking at you, and that also happens, unfortunately, in our field. You know, so we're we're busy. You know, we have all these things going on and you know, we go out and try to get as much information as quickly as we can uh, and go on to the next thing. But, you know, and that's where I think this mindfulness comes into play. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just like watching the, the nightly news with my wife, you know, sometimes I'll find my mind wandering, you know, and I'm not here with her, you know, in, you know, I'm physically there in the room, but I'm not you know, focusing on what the, you know, what's being conveyed in the news story. So that if we want to talk about it later, if she if she goes a question at me, what do you think about that? You know, I'm like, huh, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, cause I was thinking about, you know, stacky botches or something. 
we're, we're back to the stacky botches. Again. That's, that, that seems, that seems, it, it, there's a common uh, fungal theme here in, in, the, in this. Um, but so, so the communication skills, Amy, you know, to, to that point, that's something that we all as professionals could improve on, right? We all, every, every discipline is probably lacking there. Yes, yes. I always teach that there's this practice, it's called listening, looping, listening, dipping, and listening, looping, and dipping. So they're kind of mindfulness. So you want to be active listening. There's some specific things in regards to like empathetic listening. And then um, looping is repeating, validating what that person said. And then dipping is doing that, checking in with yourself. Like, how am I, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? So that you're present and mindful. Nobody wants to be having a conversation with someone that's on their phone or thinking about what is the next thing they, that they need to get done. And that's a lot of times what's happening is someone's not being fully present. But if you take that time, be fully present with someone and you validate them and you're asking them questions about what's really going on, they like move to a different, different place. They're no longer going to be defensive. You know, like these poor industrial hygienists that are scientists and just trying to relay their scientific information. I met Tim and he is so passionate and so caring. It's so obvious that he's already naturally empathetic. Maybe they just didn't have the skill set to be like, this is how I relay the information so that this person realizes I care, it's important, and it gets them to make a decision to change. So it does have you know healthier rooms. I mean, that's what you want. You want healthier environments, right? I mean, all around, we want that. But people don't do that if you walk in them telling them they have this problem and they need to fix it. That doesn't work. It's kind of like, can we get back to kindergarten and go back to what we, everything we learned in kindergarten was um, how we treat people? Um, we're so busy just doing our job and checking off the sheet of this is what needs to be done. And we know that industrial hygienist knows or, or whatever this knows what the problem is. But if you can't convince that problem, convince that person they need to change it, then then what are you going to, what's the difference? And I'm sorry, you can, if somebody is stressed and anxious, their amygdala is activated and they can't make a conscious decision. And if you're relaying information to them that's frightful, even if it is, I mean, mold, if someone's made of mold, I'd be freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's that going to do to my health? How much is that going to cost me? Like, I'm not going to be in a position that I make a conscious decision. I might be like, what in the world? What the hell are you talking about? To be quite frank, I might be really defensive about it. But if somebody could come to me and say in a kind way um, and validate my fears and my concerns, then my reaction to them is going to be more positive and I'm going to be more like, okay, explain it to me then. Ask, you know, let me ask some questions. Help me understand. And then you get the result that you want where that company or, or that you know, person in charge, that contractor makes the decision to do something different. So, I mean, it's important then I, from your perspective that the, maybe the first thing that the professional needs to convey is, is that feeling of empathy, is that connect, making that connection, right? Making that personal connection as opposed to just spitting out numerical data. Yeah. Well, and you can tell a story. We always talk about that. Like to, and the, the sheet gives some really, Tim can give some very specific things about how you face them, how you do, like there's just some specific mm -hmm. body actions and then there's some specific words you can use. And I always say, tell a story because people always relate to a story like, hey, sure. yeah, I had this, I had this happen to me and this is what happened. And if you have some hero's journey where somebody struggled and overcame it, people love it. Again, it's, it's empathy. I relate to what they're going on and then they'll, they soften. It's like people soften are like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more receptive to what you have to, to say then. And validate them. Yeah, this does suck, or whatever. You know, this this isn't ideal. Well, and, and often you're coming into so many varied situations where there, you know, there is maybe a, a you know potential medical issue, or again, if you're dealing with somebody, you know, loss of value of their property, or you know, you know, 
any number of things that are very emotionally uh, triggering for people, right? That you're, you're dealing with often in these cases. So t Tim, to, to that, uh, let's go back to the list and how, how the, you know, how the list actually, uh, you know, how, how would a professional use that? Well, uh, we kind of divvied it up into sections. So the first part is at the beginning or even before you go out uh, and do your interview with the employer, whatever the interaction is, uh, you know, you set up a time, you make sure that uh, you go through the right chain of command. Uh, you know, if there's a hierarchy in your organization, uh, you make sure that, uh, you know, the time is good for them. Uh, if you're running late, uh, you know, you let them know in advance uh, that you're running late, that kind of a thing. Uh, but you also want to let them know what the purpose of the interaction is so that they're, you know, they don't have all these uh, concerns about, you know, am, you know, am I going to get in trouble, uh, that kind of a thing. And that's how we do it. You know, once you're out there with the person, then we kind of break it down into those types of questions. You know, you 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 listen, like Amy mentioned earlier. You listen empathetically and, and strategically. You know, uh, you validate what they're saying. You repeat back. What I'm hearing is, uh, we also talk about the beginner's mind. Uh, when you have as much experience as, as someone like you uh, in indoor air quality. How many people do you know go into uh, investigation? They've already predetermined in their mind, you know, 75% of the time it's ventilation. You know, it could be the one time that it's something else. You know, it's maybe the carpeting, uh, you know, off gassing formaldehyde or something. So, and, and Amy can talk to this, you know, the beginner's mind. You, you, you go in as if it's your first indoor air quality investigation you've ever done. Uh, that kind of a thing. And so you're like open to endless possibilities. And, you know, you're, you remove as much bias as you possibly, you'll always have that professional you know, bias that 30 years of experience brings. Uh, but anyway, uh, but to answer the question, uh, and then we kind of talk about uh, conveying results, uh, you know, not using too much scientific jargon. Uh, I give the example of parts per million if you could put a, a million ping pong, white ping pong balls in a pool and one of them is orange, that's one part per million. You know, so that gives the, the employee something visually that they can interpret. Well, what is one part per million or five part per million? Uh, so sometimes it helps to give a visual. Uh, and also just, uh, you know, be empathetic. What if you we're on the other, you know, you were on the other end of the, the conversation. And I'm telling you that, yeah, there's an overexposure of benzene occurring. Uh, but, you know, we're going to fix it. And this is how we're going to do it. It's not acceptable. Uh, and our leadership is fully aware of this. They're supportive. And this is what we're going to do. You know, you give them some actions that are going to happen when they're going to happen. And you're taking it seriously. And, you know, that kind of a thing. You show them that... Uh, we're showing you care. Exactly. I mean, you're actually, you're actually, you're, you're there actually trying to help resolve the issue for them. But that's how the checklist is kind of uh, categorized into sections. We, we bounced around here between workplace and actually homeowner. You know, a couple of homeowner analogies jumped in there too, because actually many and many people in in your career field, right, Tim, are dealing with 
professional professionals in other aspects. They're dealing with employees. They're dealing with and and often ones that are in private sector are dealing with a whole plethora of different types of clients, right? From you know Mr. and Mrs. Smith to you know a big industrial complex. Um, so so. How do you how do you frame that, Amy? When you're, uh, what what are really you know a couple of key areas that uh, an industrial hygiene professional and IH professional should be considering when they're making that initial uh, warm contact with the the person that they're going to be doing working with. Well, Tim's going to be better at answering this specifically, okay. but I'm very much so keeping it cultivate compassion and curiosity. Set an intention. Set intention, be mindful, and cultivate compassion and curiosity, like as an overall theme to what you're going to do. And then Tim would be better at listing like the very specifics for those. I'm not an industrial hygienist, but really, the it's be intentional, be mindful. Like before you go to meet somebody, before you, you know, when you're sitting there, be mindful before you go to meet. And then if you could just keep in mind to cultivate curiosity and compassion, that's asking questions, that's being nice. These are really basic, basic things. Remembering that beginner's mind, they're not where you are. Um, you have something, we always have something we can learn. I mean, there's never a time when there's not an opportunity to learn, to be able to have that sort of mindset. Anytime you go to deal with a person in any situation, the odds are your outcome is going to be a little bit more ideal. Yeah, just to build off of Amy's answer, uh, I kind of go back to the purpose of our purpose. You know, we talk about industrial hygiene and environmental safety and health in general. You know, we do what we do uh, to keep people safe, to keep them disease-free, uh, you know, that kind of a thing, so that they can go home like they showed up for work in the morning. But, you know, what? why is that important? Uh, for me, uh, you know, a worker who's healthy and safe and disease-free can live out their fullest potential, whatever that is. You know, so when we go into these investigations or interactions, People are not at their best. They're concerned, or they've had a, some kind of an exposure symptom, and you know, or you know, they could be miserable as a result of whatever this uh, exposure uh, going on. You know, so as Amy mentioned, you know, you go in with uh, with full fledged empathy. You know, hey Bob, you know, I'm sorry this is happening, but you know what? I'm so glad you spoke up. Now we can do something about it. You know, that's kind of the approach when you reach out to that person. So they know, hey, you know, this guy's serious uh, about, you know, looking into this issue that I'm, uh, that I've expressed to the company. You're, you're essentially the face of the company. Uh, and, you know, you can either make or break it. You know, if you go in with poor empathy and, you know, you come across as, like, you know, you couldn't give them, uh, you know, a, 10 minutes of your attention, you know, they're like, you know, this guy doesn't care about me. The company doesn't care about me. And it's really all about bringing, a, a, you know, humanizing the workplace so that, you know, people can be the most productive. And that's how it translates to business success, I think. I mean, that, that makes total sense. And in my experiences with most people in, in, in this industry, they are very empathetic but they may not convey it very well and, and i think that's that that's the problem it's, you're right the the motive you know the the whole driving force between you know you know heading down this path and being in this career path you know it is trying to help people it's trying to protect people you know so it, it's a noble cause you know so it's so how 
how, how do we separate that? Uh, you know, how, how do we get people in the industry professionals to understand how important that is, you know, not just your core scientific competency and your analytic ability, you know, but that this interpersonal skill is actually an important factor. How do we get there? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't I don't have an easy answer. I know the American Board of Industrial Hygiene and the American Industrial Hygiene Association, uh, they're taking it more seriously. We're offering more um, sessions at conferences, webinars. Uh, we even put we updated the uh, core competency publication for the field. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a practitioner in this field, the core competencies publication list all the different uh, skills that you need. Most of them are technical, uh, but the, we just revised it in 2019, but we added all these, so, well, they call them soft skills. Uh, I prefer power skills, <laughs> uh, but things like listening, uh, being the team, you know, teamwork, uh, you know, uh, selling your ideas, th those types of soft skills. Uh, so I think you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction, probably not as fast as I'd like to see, but uh, it is a problem. I, I like the using power skills as opposed to soft skills because it, it you'd concur, right? I mean, this is super important. Yeah. You know, your technical competency. And they're human skills to me. Yeah, I'm like, they're, yeah. human, they're human skills. I don't know why they call them soft skills or where, and I don't know. I did a bunch of research and actually started in the 70s and it's not really relevant to our conversation, but there's a lot of how that all started and it was a long time, 70s and 80s, and, and that's how we got to where we're at now. And I think that the way we solve it is realizing that people aren't just humans, but it's their whole well-being. Like there's a there's a huge uh, shift in your industry to pay attention to well-being as a whole, and their focus is actually turned to being on mental well-being. So I think it's super important that we start to recognize that that that's what the focus is really on well-being and mental well-being, and and how does that impact the workplace? And you know, like Tim's saying, we want people to be their best all around. Like we're not just talking about we want their you know, the hazard is in, in their environment to be better. Yes, that's part of it. But the whole environment and how everyone is operating impacts all of that. So that's how I think and what that looks like is really complicated. But recognizing that it's not just the safety of the environment, that there's this whole other level that's impacting the safety. You know, if someone's not feeling well or if someone has problems at home or, or you know, like this pandemic and all the added stress and different things, that impacts safety and health in the workplace. So we have to look at the whole picture of it and start figuring out how to solve all of those problems. We'll be back after this. In today's shifting work environment, it can be tough to schedule in a half or full day professional development course, or PDC, not to mention the time needed to travel to and from the classroom. AIHA University is excited to offer new virtual options for some of our more popular courses that are essential to your growth as an OEHS professional. The benefits of a virtual PDC are many. Consider no travel is required. Learning can come directly to you at your home or office. Industry experts deliver live demonstrations via up-to-date video conference technology, a full audio and video experience. You'll experience the same group activities, practice exercises, and breakout sessions as you would in person. Miss something or want to review a particular point? 
Full access to the course recording is provided post-event. Virtual PDCs are eligible for three and a half to seven contact hours towards your certification maintenance. Your budget will thank you. No need to worry about travel or accommodation expenses. You only need the time and space to focus. AIHA's virtual PDCs are happening soon. Select your course today at bit.ly slash fallpdcs. We'll see you online soon. This is really important, right? I mean, having having the ability to make that connection when when you're doing field work and you're out there actually dealing with the public or an employee uh, is key, right? I mean, it's would you Tim? Would you rate that as almost as important as your core competencies? Because because you do need to be able to have that interaction, right? Because there's a lot of information that's not just analytic information; it's that it's the discussion with the affected people, right? To understand the problem more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just use the radon example. Uh, you know, I, I, I presented a town hall with a, a physician uh, to allay fears about radon in the workplace. And so, you know, I, we talk a lot about, you know, the emotional intelligence, self-awareness is one of those key components of uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, so what I try to do is go, you know, you brief employees on the exposure results, or in this case, you know, uh, you know general hazard in, in the most simplest terms as you can so that they can understand it. But you have to take it a step further uh, at every chance you can get to get feedback, which is what I did in this case. And, and the, 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 despite a town hall with a physician, uh, they still had concerns. Uh, so it's, it's important to, to do a check back and say, you know, how was it received? You know, and, and if it's not yourself, maybe a direct supervisor over the employee workforce can go back and say, hey, what do you guys think? Did they address your concerns? Did they answer all your questions appropriately? And here I thought we knocked it out of the park, but, you know, the bottom line is if you didn't convey the information and uh, they're not you know, okay with kind of what's going on uh, and they still have concerns, then you got more work to do. So that's part of the self-awareness, getting that feedback. Yeah, the feedback loop seems like it's paramount, right? Because yeah. you assume, you know, you can't make that assumption that you've connected and people understand what you're saying. Right, you did all this work, you know, exposure, <laughs> you, know, you went and got the sampling media, you went out and you did the sampling, you interpreted the results, you came out with the report, you took time to brief the employees, you brought a physician in to help you convey the information and address questions and all that work, you know, maybe it didn't, uh, uh, you know, take care of, you know, the, the bottom line is you want, even if the hazard is uh, what we would call it at an acceptable level, if the employees are still concerned, then, you know, there's still some work to do, uh, even if it's just going back and, uh, you know, visiting the employee. So this is a remote location. So I'm going to go back and take a trip and uh, do FaceTime. 
Well, especially if you know if you have an employee that you know believes they're experiencing an issue, and mm-hmm. to come back and say you're within the TLVs of the PELs, I'd you know, be like, yeah, yeah, you're like your <laughs> numbers, it's, everything's okay. It's all in your head. Like that's not really. That's a perfect that's not, example of where someone's not getting validated, and there's no empathy. The perfect example. Exactly, and and maybe analytically you're okay, but the, you know those those things are still generalizations, right? There's outliers. There's people that have different different susceptibilities that you know isn't the normal. Isn't you know, the norm? Yeah. yeah. Hey Bob, one time I had a case where I did wood sampling uh, in carpentry shops at a former agency, and interestingly enough, the, the exposure levels were. Uh, below the Pell, but above the TLV for wood dust. And so it was like, well, the good news is, but (laughs) the bad news is that we're not quite there. And so we need to like, I need you to help me work, you know, find out what can we do more to, to, you know, lower the levels even more. So this was a case where I, we wanted the employees to take it a little more seriously because wood dust, they, you know, they bathe in the wood dust. You know, they don't see it as a carcinogen. Yeah, we had talked about this and it's that's their love. So to them, it's not like their woodwork. Like that's what they love. To them, there's right. nothing toxic about how could it possibly be toxic. But that's where, again, that empathy piece is you got to be like, hey, this is they love this. This is their passion. So we're walking in and telling their passion's bad for them. That's not going to go over well. So right. um, it's another example of, Okay, let's ask some questions about this, and how do I, how do I get them to understand that even though they love this, that it's potentially harmful if it's done this way. So, what can we change so that they can still do what they love, and not be in a harmful position? Well, the other the other uh, situation is when you get into a volatile situation, right? You get you come in as a professional where there's already some major labor dispute or you know uh, workers' comp claims or a, any number of things like that. So, it, do you handle that different, it, or is like what happens with your approach? How what how would you change how you approach a, a situation that's already ratcheted up a bit? Extra cautiously. <laughs> But but that's the case. I mean, professionals, you know, uh, occupational health and safety professionals, industrial hygienists, you know, all of us in the industry that that do this type of work periodically get brought into some really volatile situations. No question about it. When you get you have to have to find a way to relate, because if someone is in fight, flight or freeze mode, which happens if they're anxious and they're angry and whatnot, until you can get them out of that mode, they're not likely to shift their change in thinking. They're not capable of it. There's neuroscience on this and you're, you have to find ways to get them to calm, relax, and then be open to your suggestions. So, um, yeah, you have to find different, different, and there are different avenues, you know, telling a story is usually good, even if it's humorous or something, because then at least it gets them out of that, that thought. Just, there's just a variety of different things that are like communication, like gentle things that help to twist them to come, come back around. But I've never met anybody, um, that's like trying to tell someone to calm down. How how well has that ever worked in the history of humankind? If someone's all stressed out and you're like, just calm down. That, that, it's never that, worked with my wife, I can say exa- that. Exactly. It, it, is not, it has not enhanced my position once. No, no. But if you validated her, like if you, that's a big piece there is validation. Like with your move in, you know, the same body movements that, that they have, you know, align with their body movements, express your concern, you know, say... I understand. I hear what you're saying. I feel. I feel this. You know those sorts of things. Those help people 
um, not be so anxious because it would be it's a terrible thing if something if you're thinking about expenses you're already angry you're already angry and think about expenses and all the extra stress you really want to be in a position to and explain that you're there to help them not to hurt them and that you're going to have solutions like hey let's come up with solutions well, you raised a point there with, with the body language that that's an important issue right how you eat you're more than your words maybe sometimes right perception from perception, the other person yeah yeah Mimicking their little bit, mimicking, slightly mimicking, not totally copying, but slightly mimicking them. They automatically kind of attune to you, whether not even on, on purpose. It's just a very subtle, um, subtle, not sneaky, um, but it gets them to resonate. It's, it's physical resonation then. Make, makes total yeah. sense. I, and I think if you show that you're rattled, I mean, you're, you know, you're just, you know, that, that's not going to bode well for you. So I think with practice, you know, you just hit it head on. If somebody's being vocal, uh, you know, or throwing stuff at you and they're being very aggressive, and I guess you could take a, a lesson from improv, I guess. You know, you just like point <laughs> that guy out and say, come on up to, you know, come up to the front. You know, I want to, you know, tell me more. You know, what, where are you coming from? You know, what are your ideas? How can, what can we do to improve? You know, you just engage them. Mm -hmm. And if you can win them over, you know, they may actually be one of your biggest advocates, you know, after it's all said and done, you know, because you're showing that, you know, you're not going to back down uh, to, to this person and what they're throwing at you, but, you know, you're actively engaging them. Right. You're, you're engaging. You're also not, you're, you're not assuming a threatening posture or a know-it-all posture. You know, you're, you're still, you're still validating their concern. Exactly. Right. Some cultures, uh, they talk louder and more direct than others. Um, and it may not really be perceived, it may not be an actual uh, confrontation. They're, that's just the way they talk, talk, either with their hands or it sounds like, you know, you may perceive it as they're shouting at you, uh, but they're just, they, they're high energy and they're high strung. So, uh, you know, those are things that you have to just uh, be mindful of uh, as you're interacting with employees. So how um, how your article came out in May? How has it been uh, received in the general community? The, you know the I H O O E H E S. Uh... Yeah. So we've heard from at least a couple uh, you know individuals who said that uh, they they love it. They find they're actually using it and they're finding a lot of value. Uh, I've heard from one person that said that they're going to take like three different. Uh, aspects of the cheat sheet uh and use it you know for like kind of like an annual goal setting this year i'm going to work on this you know uh you know being more interactive when i go out and talk to employees that kind of a thing so we haven't received a lot of feedback yet but you know what little feedback we, we've heard from you know actual individuals uh has been very positive you know, another thing we talk about is, uh, you know, uh, you have to be mindful of like the, the being discreet uh, with information. Like if someone's experiencing a health effect, you don't want to shout, you know, or be, you know, you want to be very discreet when you're talking to somebody about a specific health uh, symptom that they're experiencing. It's like a HIPAA thing. You know, sure. you want to be very mindful and make sure that you're not being too loud or you're not disclosing too many details either in a report 
or verbally, that kind of a thing. So it could really uh, work against you if you're not careful uh, with people's information. I have a thing with engineers. I have multiple engineer um, clients. I think that they're awesome. So you work with nurses. Uh, I do. Nurses. I do some work with nurses. Um, nurses, because again, nurses, nurses talk about compassion fatigue. Well, it's not really compassion fatigue. You never have enough compassion. It's empathy fatigue from lack of boundaries. So this is pretty important in empathy too. It can go swing the whole other way where you don't have empathy for yourself or you're over an abundance of different, there's different types of empathy. Tim um, wrote this quite well in the article. So we want to make sure that we talk about empathy in a way that we're honoring ourselves as well. And we're still establishing boundaries. So um, and nurses are ones that, you know, they're caretakers. So they, they tend to they tend to need to have some practice in having better empathy skills. So you can go the whole other other direction. So finding that balance is absolutely essential. And, and it seems probably the uh, the more the individual uh, is scientifically oriented or you know med medically oriented, which I think are very similar. Um, there's, a, I mean, is there often a disconnect from from that empathy, you know, from or showing the empathy? Not necessarily that they don't have it, but are you seeing that in a lot of different disciplines where it's just, you know, it's a ch it's a challenge for them to, you know, we have an issue with burnout and anxiety right now. Like we had this pre-COVID, and the pandemic really made a mess. Like we have people trying to work from home or still trying to homeschool or inconsistent uh, work schedule, uh, school schedules now too. I just did, I just did some research on this and. So we're still seeing like the effects of this pandemic and people living in fear and the school system still not being the same and women in particular really having a difficult time in, in the workplace. And we really, um, we have this, we have a rise in suicide and like uh, mental health, like, like an anxiety and, and all of these things. So we really, really, really need to focus on well-being, like mental well-being and emotional well-being. And again, emotional intelligence, if, how can we focus on mental well-being and empathy is, Empathy is one domain of emotional intelligence. How can we focus on mental and emotional well-being if we're not even having any emotional intelligence at, at all, if we're not paying any attention? So we got to start somewhere. We got to start by like, hey, what are we doing? We're talking about empathy, but yet we're, we got to say, hey, this is emotional intelligence. We got to deal with feelings and emotions if we're talking emotional intelligence, not just our thoughts about it and not just our research on it. We have to really start to do the, the hardcore work of actually knowing what we're feeling and and what's going on and, and how is it impacting us and how can we make a more conscious choice? I, I think it's a, a leadership thing too. Uh, you know, people at the top of the, the corporation need to be empathetic uh, and, and see the importance of health and safety. Uh, it, it, you know, that's part of that empathetic leadership thing we talk about. So if you have people at the top rungs of the corporation who aren't empathetic, you know, that can trickle down to your middle management, which is why I think we should be teaching empathy to not just health and safety professionals, but really to all employees. To employees. When I see this a whole lot, I'll give you an example. So I get hired by an organization because there is a huge bank, um, a national bank, and they hire me and leadership doesn't sit in on the, the these classes. They just think, well, this call center has the problem. It's the HR director that hires me. They're like, hey, these are the people that have the problem. We don't have the problem. Well, that doesn't solve the problem to be like, oh, here, we'll get you a little bit of help over here, um, but we're not going to do it. And another example is my 19-year-old works in um, a fabric store, and the customers that come in are so rude, they threaten to throw stuff at her because they have to wait. Well, they're short-staffed because corporate cut hours. 
So management can't do anything. And so you have customers, employees, management, and corporate, nobody understanding each other. There is a lack of communication on every, customers not getting like, and this looks like this in every industry. This is just at its simplest. This is one store in Omaha, Nebraska, that is a very simple, the customer's mad, the employees being abused, management is stuck in the middle, not able to do it. And corporate's making a decision, not caring a dang about any of it. And they're going to see they're closing at six o'clock now. Like this is a business is going to close closing at six o'clock because they had to cut hours. So we're not looking at the whole picture. We don't have well-being. We don't have any, but customers aren't happy. We're cutting hours. We're cutting whatever. This is going to, this is an example of one business, one industry is going to fall apart. So but how, how do you, how do you get to that core problem? Because it, it's got to, you've got to, from the top, they've got to recognize. The top's got to recognize, yeah. right? When I think at the top, sometimes it's all about profit. So when I have to deal with a CEO, honestly, if I talk to them about profits and productivity, that that's what gets, again, it's your audience, not your audience. If it's well, a CEO, they want products and, but, and then you have to tell them, Hey, these people are exhausted. They're quitting. Like you're not making any money. You're losing money. You're closing the store at six o'clock. Like you're closing the store at six o'clock instead of nine. You're going to, you think that's going to pay off? So, so that's back to the communication skills communication. and, 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 and targeting your message to uh your audience because that's going to look different right compared to that that customer wants to hear something different than my daughter right. who's the um fabric whatever she is and then the manager wants a different needs and their needs are different right sure. their needs are different so the, the conversation you have is different but um i had switched to during the pandemic hr directors became so stressed out you can't get an hr director on the phone so i switched to trying to reach out to ceos but they're actually harder to it's intriguing too if you do the research a lot of times you'll find that they actually um, they think they have more self-awareness and empathy than everybody else but the research shows that everybody underneath them doesn't think that so um getting them to see in a gentle way um you know in a private way as well you know having some empathy they're in a position where they have to be hard right they are mm -hmm. the ones leading and and they have a whole enormous amount of responsibility to take care of all these people so we have to be empathetic to, to their needs as, as well. But again, it's know your audience. Well, that's back to, and that's back to the feedback that Tim, had, you know, was mentioning earlier too. You know, you, you, you perceive your, it's being self-aware is it's a tough skill. <laughs> well, it can be really painful because self-awareness has all these benefits, but it's hard when you find out that you really have some bad habits, right? Sure. That's hard to have to admit that, that you don't do things as, you know, to the degree that you thought you did in certain areas. So it might take a minute to figure that out. But, it, you know, you come in and you have solutions like, hey, like, it's not that big of a deal. These, This is what the problem is. And there's a solution for it. Maybe we got here, but we don't have to stay here. Yeah, I, I read one publication on self-awareness. And they were saying that a lot of times, the higher you move up the ranks in the corporation, the, the less, less, <laughs> less uh, self-awareness that you have. You know, you, sung, you surround yourself with people that are, you know, just agreeing with everything you say. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have this perception that I must be pretty darn smart to make it, you know, this high level, you know, this high in the corporation. And, you know, you, you don't get that feedback loop. Or, or you do get the feedback loop and you just dismiss it and, you know, you yell at the person and say, you don't know what you're talking about or you fire them. That kind of a thing, and then nobody speaks up. So yep. it's, it, it's I had a slippery slope. It did, I had a CEO client, and uh, I wasn't. I, I was trying to ask questions because he, he would talk about obviously his employees, and I was like, "Have you asked them what they want and need?" And he wasn't. No, but he wasn't even willing to ask them what they <laughs> want and need. Like you've got to be. You're the CEO of a multi-million-dollar business. 
but you're not asking your employees what they need. Like, I don't know if that's going to go over well for very long, but he's talking about all the problems they're having about communication. Well, you're not asking them what they need. What is it that they need? <laughs> then we can, then you can solve those problems if you know what they need. But he was like, not willing to have the conversations. I'm like, do it in a survey. Like there's all kinds right. of ways to do this in a very, not in a way where you feel vulnerable. That's kind of vague. Just so you can be like, once you have a general understanding, like, is it communication? Is it wellness? Do we need, do we want classes on this? Do we want support on this? Just ask them. You don't have to ask personal questions. Just ask them a little bit about what goes on. Mm-hmm. He wasn't very receptive to it, but he was a CEO of a multi-million dollar business. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but the, I, I guess that comes to the, really the, you know, the, the, the wraparound on this whole, this whole uh, aspect, you know, for, for you professionals, uh, Tim, is that, it's a skill it's that's really it's important i believe as as your analytic skills your ability to go out there and and perform the technical parts of you know uh, of of your work is being able to actually make those connections especially if if you're so, i guess if you're somebody that sits in the back in a laboratory and doesn't go out and deal with the general public doesn't deal with people well you still need that with your coworkers but you know t- take that aside it's not as much as when you're dealing with outside uh, clients, customers, you know, that you have to deal with that. That's critical, right? So you always have to work with someone. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, I know very yeah, few people that literally don't, don't, don't work with anyone. Don't deal with people. You're stuck. <laughs> yeah, I like mad scientists, no you know, but you know, it's like you, you have to, you have <laughs> right. to be there. Um, well, listen, Tim, Amy, uh, this, this has really been a great discussion. I wish we had more time to get into this, but, um, you know, thanks so very much for, uh, speaking with us to, speaking with us today about this, I think, really important topic of, you know, being more focused on empathy is certainly it's going to make us more impactful and, and, and actually do a better job of being able to do our jobs and be, you know, being successful. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. The title of the article is Harnessing the Hidden Powers of Empathy. And it was in the AIHA Synergist 20, um, May 2022 uh, edition. And we'll we'll have the link for that available along with this broadcast. Thank you. So that's our show for this week. Next up, we discuss the topic of overcoming leadership challenges. Thanks again for watching. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy.